So, tonight we are going to be in Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. So if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to be. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5. Uh, and really this, this kind of, it came out of a conversation I had with Joe uh, Dodson uh, yesterday, I guess. Um, but we were talking about, after when the guys were meeting last week, we asked this question about uh, anybody that maybe wanted prayer for somebody. One of the guys voiced wanting prayer for just being more connected to God and and feeling more connected to God and and having a closer relationship uh, to God because they felt somewhat disconnected. And, and so then we asked, like, "Well, is there anybody else that that feels that same way?" And there's a bunch of guys that felt that way. In fact, majority. And so. Um, I don't know, so we, we got to talking and, and, and decided, like, one thing that I wanted to do, this being the last Wednesday of the semester, is to talk, to spend this last time that I have in front of you talking about prayer. Um, because I think in the context of, of 2 Timothy that we've been studying all semester, uh, it talks a lot about truth and knowing the truth, and I know I've been pushing that a lot this semester, which is how important it is to know Scripture. Because when you know Scripture, that's how you can know Christ and know who He is and, and know everything about who God is. And, and I still, that's true. And that's, uh, like, obviously, I was, we were talking about that all, like, pretty much every week. That had something to do with it um, this whole semester. And, and I think when you stress one thing so much, you can maybe forget about some other things and, and, and this side of things. And so I was thinking about it in this way, that... Think about any relationship that you have. If it's one-sided where somebody's like constantly just telling you things, so probably the easiest thing for you is to think about your parents, right? And if somebody's just telling you and telling you and telling you, telling you all the things like, and even if they're good things, how to, how to live, how to do things well, um, and you get no say, like you get to, you don't really speak back ever, but you just are constantly being spoken to, how does that make you feel? It, and the more that I thought about that question in my mind, I thought, like, it can make you feel usually, like, just lectured, which no, everybody loves that feeling, right, where you're just being lectured at and being told, this is what you should do, this is what you should do. Um, and so I was thinking about that, like, that maybe some of that might have happened this semester with some of you, where we focus on the truth so much, and, I, and I, again, I wouldn't shy from that, I wouldn't run from that, like, the truth will set you free, like, that's what Scripture says. But then maybe we missed some of this other side of, of what it looks like for you to speak to God, uh, for what it looks like for you to have a conversation with God and not just, not only just hear from Him. Because if you just focus on that all the time and just, some of you, I'm sure, go to Scripture and you don't have a clear understanding of what's being said and, and, and it just leaves you frustrated. Um, and so I wanted to highlight this other aspect of how we interact with God of prayer, that we get to talk with him. Um, I believe that God will still speak to your heart um, in the context of prayer as well. Uh, but I just wanted to highlight that and what that looks like and really talk about three questions when it comes to prayer. Why pray? Um, well, two main questions. Why pray and, and then how to pray um, and what that looks like because I think that is a huge part of your relationship with Christ and what it looks like. And if we don't uh, talk about that, then you'd be missing out a lot. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that tonight. And 
Matthew 6, starting in verse 5 and going through verses through verse 14. But before we get into that text, I'm going to answer this question first of, of why pray, like why even do it, right? Because if God is all-knowing and God knows everything about you and God created you, then, then why talk to him? Like why, what, what, what does that do? Um, and so three things about, there's, there, and know this too as we go into this, um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time up here. And so know that I'm trying to give you some at least main points of prayer, but there's way more than this too. Okay, we, we could spend a whole semester on prayer alone for sure. Um, and so just know this is some highlights. This isn't everything. But when I was thinking about the question of why I pray, these three things came to my mind. One, the first thing is why would I pray? Because prayer is about relationship. Prayer is about relationship. The Bible uses all kinds of illustrations to describe our relationship with God. He's the shepherd, we're his sheep. Uh, he's the vine, we're the branches. Um, he's the king, we're servants. Uh, he's our father, we're his children. All these illustrations, all these relationships, right? Um, to show and to illustrate this relationship that we have with him. Uh, and this very relational aspect of who God is. And the key to any relationship that you have being healthy like, if you think about any relationship you have with any person, whether that's parents, friends, boyfriend, girlfriend, eventually one day spouse, like, any relationship, a key to any relationship being healthy is communication and how you communicate with each other. Like every, every relationship that you have, communication is key. And, and so the one illustration that, that, that's in Scripture that I wanted to, to focus on when it comes to that is, he, Scripture also says that we... He is the groom, and we are the bride of Christ. It uses that marriage illustration. That he is our groom, we, we are his bride. And this marriage relationship, and think about it that way. If there's only one-sided communication in a marriage, what happens? It's not going to be healthy. Like any other relationship, if there's only one-sided communication in your relationship with your friends, and there's only one person that talks all the time, is that going to be healthy? No. It's not. And, and so in this context of marriage, if, if, if I only say the same couple of memorized phrases to my wife, even if it's I love you, and even if that's genuine, but that's all I ever say to Lauren is that I love you, I love you, I really care about you. If I only say those like memorized phrases and only those things for our entire marriage, will we have very much depth? Will we be very intimate? No. We won't have a lot of intimacy in our marriage if I can only say some memorized phrases to her and the same ones over and over and over and over. And, and so take, it, take, it takes constant communication. It takes diff different types of communication. Uh, it takes me communicating with her on a constant basis and her communicating with me on a constant basis. It takes some times of undivided attention, especially now that we have kids. Uh, one of the things that my in-law said, which I thought was uh, funny because Lauren and I talk about this all the time. So Lauren's dad and stepmom watched our kids for a week uh, while we went on vacation without them. And so the one thing that, that Lauren's stepmom, Debbie, said to her was, like, man, it was crazy. We were, they like, are, are crazy. They're a lot of energy. And, like, I felt like maybe more than anything else, uh, as we were watching them all day long and then we put them in bed, like, I felt like we never, she was saying of, of her and her husband, like, we never got to, like, even say one full sentence to each other. With the midst, in the midst of these kids being around us. And then, like, we were so tired by the time we were done taking care of them for the day and putting them to bed, then we just went to sleep. 
And so she was saying like how hard it was to communicate, right? And, and so uh, knowing that, Lauren and I stay up like a couple hours every night after they go to bed so that we can actually communicate with each other. Because, I mean, literally, it's, it's not even an exaggeration. If you come to our house, if there was a camera in our house, and you, like, the second Lauren and I try to start talking to each other from the time I get home and the kids are awake, it's like, hey, mommy, mommy, can I get this? Hey, mommy, hey, mommy, look at me. What? Hey, mommy, look at this. One foot. And you're like, okay, can I just talk to your mom for a second, please? Uh, and so every once in a while we need, like, a long time of undivided attention, and so we go away on vacation without them so that we can actually fully communicate with each other every day. Um, the reason I say all that is, is, is there's different kinds of communication, but I'm constantly communicating with my wife. I text her during the day when I'm not at the house. I talk to her when I'm at home. And even when in the midst of kids and craziness, sometimes we tell our kids, okay, go play in the other room. I'm talking to your mom, okay? Sometimes we go away for a week and just the two of us, and we spend really intentional time communicating with one another. Now, now take that and, and take that in your relationship with God himself. There are times when it's crazy. Like during the day, you should be talking to God. You should be communicating with him. It'll be crazier like when you're at school and those kind of things, but you should still be communicating with him in some way. And there should also be times in your life where you carve everything else out and you put everything else aside and it's just you and him and you spend really intentional time together with him. And you, you just create that space because you need it. And it's going to look like all these different things and everything in between that as well. And that's how it looks like with my wife. Like I, we have... These times, like I said, where, where we're, we're talking in between kids. We have times after we put them to bed and we are talking more intentionally then. And then we have times where we take like a week at a time and we just go and we, and we, and we communicate really well. Same kind of thing when you apply that to your relationship with God. That it is you communicating with him. And so it builds your relationship. Just like the reason that me and Lauren have an intimate relationship is because we know each other well and we, we know each other well because we communicate often with each other. And I tell her, everything that's going on in my life, everything that I'm feeling, so she knows the, the things that are happening in my life, the events, and then she knows how I feel about those things, and vice versa. I know the things that are happening in her life, the things that are happening in our life, and I know how she's feeling and how she's reacting to those things. And so a huge part of, of prayer, like why do we pray, is to, it creates, and, and, and creates intimacy in your relationship with God. I know that my wife loves me. I know that she's going to be my wife. I know she's going to continue to be my wife. But I also need to hear from her. I need to hear from her that she loves me. I need to hear from her in different ways that she loves me. And that creates intimacy between us. And so the way that you communicate with God and prayer being a huge part of that and his word being another part of that, that's, that's what helps create intimacy with you and so that you feel connected. Like the guy that, was, that, that brought this up last week that wanted to feel more that way. This is a big part of that. Uh, so prayer is about relationship. Another thing, why pray? Prayer changes us. So uh, we should pray because it's about creating this relationship and this intimate relationship with God, but also prayer changes us. If you spend time with God in prayer, you become more like Jesus. Think about it this way. Like, if you spend time with people, the, time you, you, the people you spend time with the most, you become more and more like those people. If we're honest, like, you, you, you agree with that. Um, if I spend time around LeBron James or Steph Curry, if that's more your type, you know, if I spend time around those guys, playing basketball with them, even if I'm not the best athlete in the world, I'm not going to get to their level. But 
if I'm spending time with those guys, those guys are all about basketball. So I will at least know more about basketball. I'll probably be more invested and in, in think about basketball more, and I'll probably be, if I listen to them, I'll probably even get better at the game of bas basketball, right? If you spend time with uh, Steven Spielberg, you're going to probably care about movies more, and you're probably going to watch them differently if you're constantly spending time with them. My point is that if you constantly spend time with God, you're going to look more like Christ. If you're constantly spending time with him, you're constantly spending time around him, you're going to look more like him, you're going to value what he values more, and you're going to want to do the things that he wants to do more. It changes us. If you spend time in prayer regularly, it changes us. If you spend time with Tucker Hagler, you will probably want to flip tires more. You know, it's just going to happen. All of a sudden, you're going to wake up one day, and it's just going to be like, what? I'm flipping tires. I don't even know why. Because you've been hanging out with Tucker too much, you know? Um, prayer changes us. And because it changes us, it changes the world. Because we change in the midst of, of our prayer life. So prayer is about relationship. Prayer changes us, and prayer will compel you to act. That's the third thing I was thinking about, why pray. Prayer will compel you to act. Because think about it. I can't constantly spend time praying for people about specific situations and not have a heart for them. If I'm genuinely praying for people, then I'm going to genuinely have a heart for those people and I'm going to want to do something about it. And I'm, it's going to cause me to want to pray more. It's going to cause me to want to actually step in and actually do something if I can. We've, my family has been praying for this, this one family that's trying to, get, trying to adopt a child. And they've been at it. They've been trying to have a child, adopt a child for two years now. And we've literally, my kids pray for it literally every night. Every single night. There's not one night that goes by that my kids don't think about it and they don't pray about it. And my heart breaks more for those people because we're praying about it constantly. It's constantly on our mind because we are praying about it every, every night together as a family. So the more that you pray for other people about specific situations, it will drive you, it will compel you to do something. So, so those are some reasons why to pray. Um, so let's look at this, this text real quick. Um, Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8 first. It says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they, this is Jesus talking. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So a couple things from this. His disciples ask him, like, how do we pray? And Jesus starts with this, this what not to do first, I'll say. And he's not talking about, don't think about, he's not talking about public, he's not saying public prayer is bad and you can't pray in public and you should just pray in private. When you look at this text and when you read this text, what he's talking about more so than anything else is humility and your, your motivation in prayer. Humility versus arrogance. Like, are you praying so that people will notice you? Are you, so, are you praying so that people will be impressed by you and what you have to say? Or are you praying to really connect with God? Because what really matters is that you would connect with God, not that you would say these certain words, not that you would say these certain phrases, not that you would pray so long because that would be so impressive, but that you would pray with a heart that really wants to connect with the God who created you. That's what matters and that's what he's getting at here. He's saying, don't make prayer about you. Don't make prayer about how you can look better in front of other people. Don't make prayer about how you can look like you have it all together. Make prayer about connecting with the God 
who, who created you. And, and here's the one thing that, that I'll say about private parent prayer and public prayer as well, is that when I have consistent private prayer with God, when I am consistently praying on my own with nobody else's watching, and I do that on a consistent basis, uh, I'm a lot less nervous and I have a lot less fear of how I sound when I'm praying around other people. Because I do that all the time. I, I pray with God, I pray to God on a regular basis on my own, and when I do that, like I'm not really concerned and I'm not, too fearful when I'm around other people because I know what it looks like to focus on God and just be focused on him and not on what other people around me are doing. It's about him as it is in all aspects of Christianity, not, not about you. And it should be uh, when he talks about this empty phrases and things like that as well. The other thing that came to me is, uh, is this, this idea that it should be a conversation. It shouldn't be like this formal speech that you're making. Like, when you have to do this formal speech in a class, it sounds a lot different than you having a conversation with one of your friends. Prayer is way more conversation, less formal speech, just to help you think through that if you don't pray very often. It should look way more like a conversation. And so then he goes into this, and he gives us a model of how to pray. This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. He says, pray in this way. Or pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I'm going to read the whole thing and then we'll, we'll go section by section. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. So most of you probably have heard this prayer, right? Uh, but this is, this is the way, this is what Jesus gave us to model in our prayer life. Uh, and, and so we're going to go through five R's real quick, okay? Alliteration makes you memorize things a lot easier. So these, these generalities I think that Jesus is pointing to are these five R's. The first one is reflect, okay? So verse 9, reflect. What is he doing? He says, pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Reflecting on who God is. That simple. So when I, when, if you don't know how to pray, this is what God has given you a format to say, hey, if you don't know how to pray, you don't know how to come to me, come to me like this. Reflect on who I am first. So whenever you pray, whenever you are by yourself, whenever you are talking to God, spend time first reflecting on who God is, how good he is. A lot of these things that we sing in these songs, like spend time reflecting on that. One of the, I mean, if you've heard me pray, and most of you have, there are certain things that I always say because I need to know those things and I need to remind myself of those things all the time. God is always good. God is always in control. He's always good. He's always in control. He always loves me. He's never surprised. He's never caught off guard. He's limitless in his power and his resources. Like just stating facts about who God is, stating characteristics about who he is. Spend time, spend a few minutes, spend 10 minutes, spend 15 minutes just stating that. Because what happens when you do that is it, it, it creates this, these are all meant to build on each other. And he does this in a specific order on purpose. Spend time first focusing on the God that you're praying to and how limitless he is. How good he is. How much he loves you. And when you, after you spend a, amount of, a certain amount of time reflecting on who he is, then you can go to the second step in verse 10, which is release. 
So you can reflect first, and then you can release. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So releasing all, all kinds of things. Releasing your desire to live for you and what you want and your comfort and releasing that to him to say, I will live for you and what you want. Epitome of this is Jesus himself when he's in the garden. He says, God, if you will let this cup pass from me, if I don't have to die on the cross, then please take that from me. But your will be done, not my will. Your will be done. What I care about more than anything else is doing your will. And so you can even plead with God and say, hey, I don't really want to do this or I don't really want to have this in my life and I really wish you would take this from me, but at the end of all this, I really just want to do your will above all else. Even Jesus did that, right? He, he, he spoke, and think about how crazy that is. Jesus is praying this and he's praying, God, your will, not mine, be done, and he is God. But this is him being human and him working through this and saying, hey, if you can do it any other way, I'd like to do it a different way, but at the end of the day, I just want to do what you want to do. Releasing your control of life. Releasing your control and saying, God, I want to do things your way. And this can look like lots of different things in your life, right? For me, it's, it's, it's releasing things like, I want to control my kids' lives and I want them to, I want to do everything I can to make them trust in Christ. But I have to release control of them to God because he's the one that knows what he wants to do with their life far more than I do. I know how I want certain things in my life to go, but I, at the end of the day, I need to release everything to him and say, your plan is better than mine. So if, if you need to generalize it, it's that. And that plays out in a lot of different specifics in your life. But releasing control of your life to him and saying, take every part of it. Some of you are, still have a tight grip on certain parts of your life that you don't want to let go of and you don't want to release to him. So after you reflect, but think about that. After you reflect on who he is and how good he is, it's a lot easier to release things because you know how good he is, how much he loves you, how much, and you believe those things, and then it makes it a lot easier to release control to him. So you reflect, re reflect you release, and then receive is the third one. Verses 11 and 12. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God will provide for his kids. God will, he is a father. Like that's one of the illustrations that, that's in scripture. He is your father and he loves you. And he will provide what you need. Give us this day our daily bread. Not our weekly bread, not our monthly bread, our daily bread. Give me what I need today to get through today. That's what he promises us. I need to receive that. I need to take that in. I need to receive forgiveness from him. Some of you don't do that. You don't receive forgiveness from him. If you have trusted in Christ, what scripture says is that you are forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, that's as far as your, your sin is from you. And if you don't know what that illustration means, it means like you, the east can't come near the west. Okay, It doesn't ever run into each other. Your sin has been removed from you. He has paid for it. And when you are still trying to pay for your own sin yourself, you're not, you're not receiving his forgiveness. Some of you are so caught up in guilt of your sin and you can't get out of it because you're not receiving fully the forgiveness of Christ. That's what it means to be free in Christ. It means I know that I can screw up and, I'm still, and God still loves me. That my relationship with God is not based on my performance. 
when you believe that fully in your life, that your relationship with God is not based on your performance, and even on the days when you screw it up, and you screwed it up in the same area that you screwed it up in yesterday, he still loves you just as much. I know that in my life now. I know that. There was a time that I didn't. And not surprisingly, I was still stuck in things like pornography and stuff like that. But now that I know that that forgiveness and how the depth of that forgiveness, I'm free. So we have to receive, receive forgiveness from him, receive the things that he wants to provide us in our, in our, in our, in our day, that he is enough. So reflect, release, receive, and then the fourth part, resist. Resist. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And again, see how all these things build on each other. If I can receive his forgiveness fully, and I can receive the things that he provides for me, and I can receive the fact that he is enough, then it's easier for me to resist the temptations of this world because I believe and I have received that he is enough. And I don't need these other things. And so spending time in prayer of, of all this, right? And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And just praying that God would deliver you from and protect you because, again, like we talk about, we are in the middle of a battle between kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness. Acknowledging that and, and, and asking for the, the Holy Spirit's help to resist against temptation and deliver from evil. And the last thing, which I think is a result of all these other four, is responding. And this is similar to what I was talking about earlier, that, that prayer compels us to do something. That if you spend time in prayer and all these things, spend time in prayer like, like it's been laid out in these verses, then, our, then our, the, the, the thing that follows is a response of some sort. I will respond in my life. I will respond by actually doing something about the things that I've been praying about. So think about those things. Like, when you go through this summer, if you don't focus on anything else, focus on just praying. Like, trying to pray daily, trying to pray, pray weekly, start there, that, that you would spend time in prayer, and if you don't know what that looks like and you're not comfortable with that, that you would follow this. Like, Jesus himself gave us an outline. And he doesn't want us to just memorize these words that are on these, in these verses. He wants us to get these ideas that we should just spend time reflecting on him in your own words. Spend time releasing everything that you need to release to him in your own words. Spend time receiving the things that he uh, wants you to receive in your own words. Spend time resisting temptation, the specific things that you need help resisting from. And then spend time responding to that. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to pray these things right now in my own words, in the way that I do it. Uh, and for me, something that helps me a ton because I need a lot of help uh, is I'm, whenever I have like deep, intense times of prayer, I always have really loud worship music going on. You can ask anybody that's in our office. Uh, Joe can hear it at the front uh, from my office in the back. And I'm usually singing with it, and I don't sing well. And I'm sure even though I don't, even though like I play the music loud enough so I can't hear myself, but I've had people tell me before that like they, they can hear me still even when I'm singing outside the walls. And that's somewhat embarrassing, I'm sure. But, uh, but that's okay. That's just, that's what, 
I sit and I listen to music like that, sing along with it, and I write out my prayer. Because I need, that, for me, that's what helps me focus. Intently on God. And that's not like all day, every day that I do that. A lot of times I pray throughout my day and I pray specific things throughout my day. Like I was saying, it looks different at different times, but communicating with him regularly is an important thing that needs to happen. And I need to reflect on who he is. I need to release things to him. I need to receive the things that he has for me. I need to resist temptation. I need to respond. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray in that way. And then I'm going to have seniors come up and I'm going to pray for them. We're all going to pray for them. And then we're going to split up in guys and girls again and spend some time praying as a group of guys and praying as a group of girls together. Um, we'll, have, we'll have one, one more song of worship uh, after I'm done praying. Uh, and then we'll pray for the seniors and then we'll split up. Um, but I'm going to pray now. We'll do one song and then we'll move on to the next thing.